Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. Today I meet the co-host of the popular Naughties Nostalgia show, The Revisiting Pod, Laura Kirk. During the show I talked to Laura about what it was like sharing her innermost thoughts and feelings via her teenage diary with thousands of listeners. It's her relationship with Arsenal and I find out why Laura decided to capture an emotional season for the Gunners in her own special way on Twitter. Later, I asked Laura to pick out three football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to her. Laura had some really interesting stories to tell as we delved into her feelings towards two different Arsenal shirts, as well as a Barcelona one, worn by one of her favourite Spaniards, Frances Fabregas. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow, share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm finally joined by my first female guest. It's the wonderful Laura Kirk. How are you doing, Laura? I'm good, thank you. Delighted to be the first, hopefully the first of many. Um, but thanks for having me, Craig. Indeed. No, really, really excited to speak to you. Um, so, so, Laura, I, I know your name from the Revisiting Pod, uh, which is part of the Stackenov Network. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about it? Sure. Um, so, Revisiting Pod um, is my podcast that... Um, basically involves me reading out my teenage diary uh, to strangers on the internet. Um, I, I was a teenager who kept a diary for the best part of seven years. Um, so I've got five notepads full of teenage memories. Um, I wrote in it every day, sometimes pages and pages and pages of stuff. Um, and so the podcast basically goes, goes through that. I uh, share um, bits of my diary uh, that I'm happy to share, but I don't edit it. So there's lots of people out there who've listened who know more about me than my closest friends, probably. Wow, that's crazy. And it ran for like 10 seasons, right? Is it finished now? Yeah, so we brought it to a close um, in the middle of last year. Um, we kind of went through all the diaries. We also interviewed loads of um, loads of people who were famous in the North Tees. So we had uh, Dick and Dom, 
Yeah. Uh, we had Tr Tracy Beaker. We have Abs from Five. Um, wow. We had we had we had Sam Delaney as well, who uh, you've had, um, yeah. and and you know lots of other people who were kind of big in the noughties. Um, and then we just kind of brought it to an end uh, middle of last year. Still going strong, but thought, Do you know what? I think that's quite enough noughties nostalgia for now. We'll probably <laughs> come back to it in about ten years' time to talk about the pandemic, possibly. But but yeah. we'll see. And do you still keep a diary or is it something that you finished in your teenage years? I finished it um, when I was at uni. So in my first term of uni, I did try and write um, bits and bobs. But I, I think I found that basically I'd come home late at night from, from going out and I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to write anything legible. Basically, I was too <laughs> drunk most of the time. Um, I don't keep a diary now. I think it would just be so boring. Um, it would just be, you know... I'm 29 I go to work and particularly at the moment I don't do much else so right. not at the moment but but you know never say never yeah god I dread to think what kind of thoughts I'd have written down in my teenage years <laughs> I've been a pretentious little prick I think <laughs> um. yeah um ev I mean everything is a huge deal basically that's how I would summarize these <laughs> five notepads it's like everything is really deep really important and you know massively exaggerated and when you read it back now you're like Christ okay you have no idea <laughs> so the story of how it was picked up initially as an idea is really interesting I read that you just wrote a tweet and it was picked up by Luke Moore at Stakhanov right as an idea for a pod yeah exactly um I basically sent out a tweet as um as you do with with no uh, expectation of anyone even reading it um that said I, I you know I was looking at making a podcast out of my teenage diaries yeah. and Luke basically uh, messaged me about 30 seconds later um and you know said it sounded like a great idea and would I like to chat so I basically ended up having to go to the um Sukarnoff offices and hand over my diaries to Luke and Pete Donaldson yeah. and a couple of the other members for them to read it basically to check that there was interesting stuff in there so they basically having spent five minutes with me then had my most intimate thoughts to read through for the next couple of weeks wow and you don't redact anything then so everything is like 100 percent true yeah 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 um the, the only thing that I've done on some of them is is changed people's names just to protect their identities okay. um other than that th if I'm honest there's just nothing that I'm that embarrassed about um I think you know having we, we, we used to get lots and lots of emails from people and fundamentally when you're a teenager we all think the same things so knowing that everyone listening is just basically going oh yeah I thought that as well is is of comfort to me and th therefore I'm just not embarrassed about it it makes me laugh um right. you know I was a teenager then we were all stupid we all thought everything was a big deal so I'm happy to share it completely unredacted fair play god um what, have you ever had any kind of like fallout did anybody even though you changed names like did anybody ever get in contact going oh, why the bloody hell you told that story that was me thought it was a secret kind of thing um I had um, an ex-boyfriend who I, I redacted his name, but we we're on quite good terms. And he used to message me after every single episode came out. Uh, first and foremost, asking me when he was going to appear um, because okay. he just wanted, he wanted to be part of it. Um, and then with various kind of that's not what happened or I can't believe you thought that um, but luckily nobody's been upset by it most people are just when they when their names popped up would just message me and be like I can't believe you know you thought that or, or I can't believe that was your side of the story so I've been quite lucky that there's been no actual backlash to it basically. Yeah. Wow wow so, so Laura you're a big Arsenal fan right? 
Yeah, so um, I guess, I mean, we could come on to this in a minute, but my brother was an Arsenal fan um, and then we went to school with uh, the Winterburns. So Joe Winterburn, who's the son of Nigel, was in my class when I was about um, six or seven. Um, and he, he was actually my very first boyfriend. Um, wow. This was this this was at a time when, you know, um, you didn't actually speak to your boyfriend and girlfriend. You just ignored them in the playground and then went home. <laughs> And spoke to them all night on MSN um but he was my first my very first boyfriend um and that's sort of why um I became an Arsenal fan right interesting so <laughs> we we have a very very special thing that you've offered to do here you, you've got a piece from your diary that didn't go out on the podcast right but does relate to your relationship with football that's right yeah um there's actually loads of references to football in the diary um I'll read this one um because it it basically goes through my first experience of Highbury Um, and I remember this specifically because the tickets were bought by my dad in a school raffle um, and they were very very expensive Uh, and my dad was basically bullied into it by my brother's sort of housemaster who kept outbidding him and pushing the price up so I mean I dread to think what what they were they were certainly overpriced but this was um the 3rd of January 2006 the final um home uh match versus Man United um and so this is the uh this is what I've written in my diary um I've just had the best time of my life at the football most of the day I just milled around and finally came home and did my homework ugh boring we took the we took the train at 5:30 with Andy, Sandy's my brother, yeah. Matt and his mum all the way to Highbury. It felt amazing to be walking up to Highbury Stadium with the crowds and crowds of people all cheering. It was fantastic being there and seeing all the players for real, especially my favorites, Jose Antonio Reyes and Francesc Fabregas. Right. Although although it was nil-nil, in the end, I had a great fun evening chanting along and jeering at all the Man United supporters. It was especially fun swearing at Ronaldo. <laughs> I don't even think he's that good and he's got very, very silly hair. Good night. <laughs> so he'd have been what, like kind of like 18, 19 or something at that stage? Yeah, it's when he had that kind of like little stringy white bits out of his, out of his hair, um, yeah. but clearly... Clearly, I wasn't that impressed by him. I can't remember anything about the, the match either. It was nil-nil. It was raining. I yeah. think we were in the North Bank um, and I could hardly see. So I, <laughs> I don't quite know how that left me enamoured for more. But, you know, it, it obviously at the time I, I, I loved it. Um, and yeah. I you know I've, I've said what a great evening it was. Yeah. And you've seen Ronaldo play as well, which is pretty cool. Exactly. Exactly even though he didn't impress. So you do a bit of work with Arsenal now, right? I read on your Twitter that you do a bit of work with them on Twitch. Yeah, so this, I guess, started um, during the during the pandemic. Obviously, Arsenal were looking at how they could kind of engage some of the fans and make some decent content while we were all sat at home. So it started with um, what was originally called Guna Box, um, but unfortunately had to change due to a legal challenge from Channel 4, I believe, um, to Guna Guna React. That's just speculation, but, you know, there we go. Um, Which basically involved um, a couple of fans, including myself, filming us, filming ourselves while we're watching the games, um, which then Arsenal put out on their channels. um, And then part of that is also, you know, Arsenal are quite keen to, you know, keep people entertained during 
during lockdown uh, and that's where the twitch channel has kind of sprung from um and they share lots of stuff on it which i think is really really sort of innovative you know training videos um watch alongs things like that um and that's sort of how i've got involved but yeah it started from uh, me filming myself with my boyfriend watching arsenal um which has been quite the experience <laughs> well, i was going to ask you about this so i recently come across this stuff on twitter where you're you're taking a photo of your reaction after the game is finished each week of the Premier League in like a long thread. Yeah, so, I mean, this started as just a silly idea after the first game, um, mm. which we won against Fulham. And I basically bought the new shirt and I was like, oh, great. You know, we've played really well. Let's let's put a thumbs up on on Twitter. Um, and then I just started doing it after each, after each game. And as the season descended into the madness that it's been um I think people just think it's quite funny I, I guess I've got quite an expressive face um right. and you know p- people people kind of um relate to it I, I, it's honestly got quite challenging because every single game is the same it's just how do I show disappointment and <laughs> fury in the same expression that's different from last time <laughs> I think my final one honestly my final one will probably just be me lying on the floor face down just happy that it's all over and that we get a bit of a break well some of the pictures have been quite bleak haven't they They've been quite sad I felt quite sorry for you in some, of I mean, some, some, some of the results have been quite bleak Craig some of them have been so so bleak so it's just it's just a, an amusing way and I think people kind of relate to it because we all watch the same game we all react in the same way yeah. um, but as I said it's genuinely quite challenging coming up with a different facial expression when it's the same outcome every time just yeah. disappointment and are you finding like people, because obviously like that's having about a sense of humour about it, right? Obviously some people mm-hmm. take it far more seriously. I mean, they're going to be, you know, screaming into YouTube outside the ground, aren't they? Sometimes some fans. What, you know, have, what kind of traction have you got on it? Do people see the funny side too? Are they enjoying it or is there a mix? So interestingly, um, the Guna Reacts videos, I've it's got to a stage where I, I see Arsenal post it on their channels, um, but I never, I never actually click on it because the comments are so on, so unkind um, yeah. that, you know, they're, they're very, even from Arsenal fans, you know, that we're, that it's embarrassing from the club or that I'm annoying. or I really hate that ginger girl. She's so annoying. Um, oh. To the extent, yeah, as I said, to, to the extent where when it gets posted, I don't even look at it anymore because I just can't, it, it affects me um, to look yeah. at the comments. The pictures that I post, I've had almost no negative reactions to it. It is meant to be lighthearted. Um, I guess the, the only ones recently is where I've bought, you know, a new shirt and I've had loads of people angrily DM me saying that I'm supporting um, Stan Kroenke and it's my fault. And, you know, I'm not joining the club in the protests and things. So it's a bit of a mix, um, but, you know, that's, I guess that's just part of it. And I, I actually feel having worked with Arsenal, I, I do feel really sorry for them when they post things. It's just constant. You know, they post a video of Arteta's press conference and all you've got underneath it is abuse, sign this player. You know, it's yeah. just mad that, that, you know, this is people's jobs and, and people just feel entitled to, to write stuff on social media. But thankfully, as I said, people, people seem to take the, the Twitter um, feed as, as lighthearted, which it was, which it was intended to be. Yeah, I find it really funny. I'm really glad I come across it, actually. Are you going to st- carry on <laughs> next season? I thought I might carry on into the Euros, um, depending right. on how England do. Uh, yeah. could, could be very short, could be, you know, four, four or five photos, uh, but I'll definitely do it next season. 
nice nice looking forward to it millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so Laura, the, the question I ask everybody on the podcast is, what do football shirts mean to you? Um, certainly when I was younger, um, I was, as a teenager, you know, like lots of people, was, was very, very badly bullied. And right. so a lot of my time at the weekends when kind of other kids would be out at parties or parks, I'd be at home um, playing The Sims. But every Saturday I would watch um, Match of the Day. And every, you know, religiously I'd watch it Saturday night and then I'd watch it again on Sunday morning just because... Um, 
and so I, I guess I kind of absorbed a lot of footballing knowledge and I always felt like owning a football shirt would be proof of being a football fan yeah. uh, and kind of belonging to that football thing because I think particularly as a woman you often say I'm a football fan and there's a sort of degree of okay we'll prove it and so for me owning a football shirt as a teenager was like proof that I was part of something um and I guess I still carry that as uh, as a fan like when I put my shirt on to go to go to Arsenal uh, get on the tube um and I like the kind of sense that someone will look at me and go that, that you know she's an Arsenal fan um and I know that sounds quite childish but that I guess that comes from wanting it to be a part of my identity as a kid yeah, as a kind of relief um, and did you find that kind of like were a lot of your friends into football or were you a bit of an outlier like you and maybe the only girl into football was it a bit more popular actually there were in my friendship group we were all um quite sporty girls and so there's there's certainly a handful of of girls who I'm very close with who are into football certainly when we were teenagers not as much um I think it was a kind of wasn't that cool as a girl to be into football um certainly you certainly wouldn't be bragging about it but I'm very lucky now that I've got loads of female friends who who are into it um as much as I am but certainly as as a teenager it was a bit and again, that's, I guess, why I wanted to, to have a football shirt was to kind of prove that I wasn't just one of those girls who said that they liked football. So, Laura, we've got your first shirt choice here. So this is the 2013-14 Arsenal home shirt. It's the final one by Nike. Um, how come you chosen this one? So um, this shirt and, and the actual shirt itself, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on. It's just it's a red shirt and it's it's an Arsenal shirt the reason I kind of think very very warmly of this one is is it's because it's the first shirt that I went out and bought myself um and although that doesn't sound very much when I was so when in 2013 this shirt came out I had graduated uni uh, I was starting a a grad scheme um but I had just been uh quite brutally dumped um by by my boyfriend and you know not to make this overly emotional but I was really, really struggling. Um, I just graduated uni. I was on a grad scheme that I wasn't really that that fond of. And when we signed Meza Ozil, I it was it was a Friday. I remember specifically that I went. Basically, I, I left my um, left my grad scheme, saying that I was ill. So this is about the middle of the day, okay. and I got on the train from Canary Wharf all the way to Highbury. Uh, I walked to the stadium in my you know suit and heels. And I bought myself uh, a shirt and I got them to print Ozil on the back. And it just, it it was one of those things, as I said, not to be overly emotional. It just sort of reminded me that whatever kind of happens, you know, in my life, there is always a constant, which is Arsenal. Um, And it was just quite a stabilising thought that while I was, you know, suffering my first heartbreak, which I think we can all remember, I did have this kind of thing to lean on. Um, And I also remember it is, for, for, um, I also remember it because it was the first season that I had my season ticket at Arsenal. Right. So I got to wear the shirt that I bought with Ozil on the back um, to sit in my seat um, and just be surrounded by my people. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it was just a really, yeah, a really kind of stabilising whatever happens. I will always have this kind of yeah. moment for me. Yeah, that's a really nice way of like just going and treating yourself as well, isn't it? Because it's like a big investment as well to get the name on the back when it's brand new and things as well. It's just like... Exactly, yeah. It was, it was nice because, you know, I went actually to the shop and, you know, you go and you take it and they print it for you. Um, and that's the first time I've ever 
um, bought a shirt myself, had it printed. The only other time was when I was a lot, lot younger. Um, and I'm gonna have to confess this. <laughs> my brother was, brother's two years older than me. Um, I must've been about five and my parents took us to do you know JJB Sports? Yep. That, with that, that. And, and um, my brother was getting his first Arsenal shirt and I was kicking up a fuss because obviously he was getting all the attention and I was saying, I want a football shirt as well. Um, and this was before uh, my romance with Joe Winterburn. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but my mum said to me, you know, all right, what shirt do you want? And I was determined not to have the same one as Andrew. Yeah. So I went and actually picked out a Chelsea shirt Ooh. and my parents bought me that and I asked for, I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank on the back. Wow. And that was my, that was my first um, shirt. Obviously my parents bought that with me, uh, bought that for me even. Um, I don't actually know where it ended up. It, it didn't stick around for very long, uh, but that was my first shirt that I kind of had bought. So it was quite nice to buy the Nike one 20 years later um, for yeah. myself and to make, to make that investment myself. That's really cool. So how do you feel, like Ozil's recently left the club and fortunes were mixed, I suppose, weren't they? Like, how, how do you feel about him overall? Really, really sad. Really, I, I have no anger. I have no, um, you know, ill feelings towards him. I'm just so sad that it didn't work out how I wanted it to. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, when he signed, you know, I remember that period being very, very unhappy in my life, but ultimately having this kind of backbone of Arsenal, um, and it just, for so many years, you were just waiting for him to kind of be the player that he, you, we all thought he were, was. Um, yeah. And it just, I just, I'm, I'm filled with sadness and kind of regret, I guess. I don't have any anger at, at the player or anything. I'm just frustrated and sad that it, it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, it, it was sad. I remember like at the time, because was it like a deadline day signing? Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was, um, it, we'd beaten, we'd, the, the, we'd played and then, Wenger was interviewed and he's given this little smirk about, you know, something or someone is coming. Um, and then, yeah, I think at about 11 o'clock at night or whenever, about an hour before the transfer window closes, yeah. you know, you see the yellow, the yellow ticker on Sky Sports News. Going, yeah, that, that we're going with um, Meza Ozil, um, which was which was amazing. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just really sad about it, to be honest. And, I, and I've got a few shirts with his name on the back, actually, that okay. I'm now like, not, not sure I can wear these ever again. But do you know what? I think you're right. Like in terms of like, you, you wouldn't feel anger towards him. It, the way he left the club, I think, was so respectful, and I don't think he ever mm. did anything wrong. Even like the Gunasaurus stuff, you know, he's paying his wages, all this kind of stuff. I just thought it was a really classy way of doing things from the guy. Um, yeah, and he, he does a lot of charity work, like behind the scenes. He has his entire kind of foundation uh, where he pays for kids' surgeries and things. Yeah. Um, and I think he was just a very, very easy scapegoat for how Arsenal have been over the past couple of years. It's just it's so easy to blame your superstar who's not performing, but it, yeah. you know it, it runs a lot deeper than that. And as you said, I, personally, I think it was done very, very well. And you can still see when he's on social media, he still supports Arsenal. So yeah. I don't really know what else you can ask from a player. Yeah, 100% agree, mate. Definitely. So your second choice is a 2012-2013 Barcelona home shirt. Yes. So this, um, this is very special to me because it was bought from the new Camp um, I went on holiday with my mum before uh, I went back to uni for my final year. Yeah. Um, my mum is cabin crew for British Airways and she basically took me with her on one of her trips and she surprised me when we were there with tickets to the new camp. 
Uh, it was a home game. Wow. I think it was Valencia, yeah. um, which was just amazing. Um, but I obviously, as I said at the beginning, kind of wanted to feel like I was part of the, the people. So yeah. I went and bought um, this Barcelona shirt. And I think it was about 150 euros. It was so oh, expensive. Wow. Like, and, and you could have got a very, very good replica outside the stadium, no problem. Right. But I wanted, I wanted the real one. Um, and I remember sitting in a cafe with my mum just off um, Las Ramblas and, and her going, you know, treat yourself, treat yourself, go, go and buy one. Um, yeah. So I went, you know, we went to the club shop, uh, queued for ages. Um, and I got a Barcelona shirt with Fabregas on the back and I still have it. Um, it's, it's somewhere in my kind of pajama drawer, but you know, it, it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was nice to spend the kind of evening with my mum, who's not a big football fan, but she knew that that trip would mean a lot to me. And I think I probably cried when she presented me with the tickets because oh. it's sort of like, you know, every football fan's dream to, to go to the new camp at one point. Yeah. 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 What was it like? What was the experience like in the match? I can't remember the match at all. Again, I, I probably need to start paying attention to these big games that, I, that I'm going to. Um, I think they won one nil, um, but it, it's just that the the sheer scale of it is you can't really get your head around. So we were um, in the lower tier, right behind the goal, right. and it's so steep and so high, um, and it's it, it almost felt like. Um, this is going to sound a bit cringe, but you know in Harry Potter when they play the uh, Triwizard Tournament and it's a big kind of like they're playing Quidditch and it's it's sort of like a like a cauldron. That that's what it feels like. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's so it's so loud. And even my mum, who as I said is not a massive football fan, was just completely blown away by the experience. Yeah. So that shirt, as I said, I'm, you know I'm not a Barcelona fan, but I I do love Fabregas. Um, is is very special to me because it reminds me of being. Um, 20 years old about to get back to my final year in uni um, feeling like I had you know the world at my feet basically yeah 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 of course he was one of your favorites from that time at Highbury as well right him and Reyes yeah yeah he was Fabregas has, has always been my favorite Arsenal player um, and I, I think that that's because when I was um, when I was at school as, as I said I was I was very sporty but not in a particular kind of way so I wasn't particularly fast not particularly strong. Um, and I remember my uh, netball teacher once telling me that I was really good at passing. Right. And I was a bit like, well, that that's rubbish. Everyone, everyone's can pass. Like that's that's not a that's not a talent. Um, and then watching match of the day, obviously the commentators are talking about Fabregas's uh, abilities pass. So yeah. me as a teenager, I was like, oh my gosh, like this this is me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I am Fabregas. I am the Fabregas of the netball court. Um, and that, and that's that's why I became quite enamoured with with him. But he's still you know my favourite Arsenal player. Um, oh. And and you know as I said, I've got that Fabregas shirt. There's a Barcelona one and I've got a few Arsenal ones, I think, subsequently that, that have got Fabregas on the back. Nice. So did you play as a centre then? The centre is the one that can't shoot, but controls. I did. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So I was, I was a centre um, and I, there are various references to it in my diary about having a big netball match and hoping I could play as well as Sesk did at the weekend. <laughs> A role model, nice. Exactly, exactly. Do you know what? I've surprised myself with my netball knowledge there. I never knew I had that in me. Nice. That was very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so your your final shirt, Laura, is the 2014-15 Arsenal shirt. Uh, it was the first season with Puma. Yes. Um, so this shirt um, 
in particular, I think it had a Lexus on the back. Um, again, another one that I feel sad about. But the reason I picked this shirt is um, I mentioned that I'd started a grad scheme. But basically, after a year, I sort of decided that I wasn't quite ready to kind of go into the corporate world for the rest of my life. So I applied for a scheme that Arsenal run called the Arsenal Gap Year. And it's run by the community aspect of the club. So um, Stuart McFarlane, who was on a couple of weeks ago, mentioned all the work that they do. Yeah. But basically what, what the gap year scheme does is it they take sort of 20 to, to 30 young people, um, train them to be coaches. Uh, you do your FA badges with Arsenal. And then you go and basically work in their projects in the community. So you go into schools, you go and work with disabled footballers, you go and work with uh, refugees, all of basically the, the programs Arsenal do, um, and then they send you abroad. So I spent six months with Arsenal in the community coaching football, and then three months in Ghana with one of Arsenal's charity partners uh, coaching football as well. Um, and there's a particular picture of me, which I'm happy to, sh to send you, uh, yeah. wearing wearing this uh, Puma shirt, watching the FA Cup final in Accra in Ghana um, as, as the kind of while we were there coaching. Wow. So what kind of like involvement, like why were Arsenal involved in Ghana? Was there a particular reason or they did, they just chose it to, to work with the country? Yeah, so they um they have charity partners all over the world. Um, and this particular one is called Alive and Kicking. Right. So what they do is they um, employ young people to make footballs, which are stitched in a way that um, can kind of deal with the rough terrain. So they're really, really sturdy. And the footballs themselves carry like a health message as well. So it's an anti-malaria campaign that they run as well. And they use the kind of football aspect of it to engage young people. Um, yeah. So what they do is they send um, two coaches from Arsenal to kind of go into schools in Ghana, teach, use those football, use those footballs, um, things like that. So that was what I was doing um, in 2015 as part of the scheme. Wow. And you watched, you ended up watching the FA Cup final out there. They won it that year, right? They did, yeah. It was the I think four one or, or something relatively straightforward. But we, you know, found a bar in the middle of Accra, uh, loads of other Arsenal fans, um, and, and had the absolute privilege of watching it there. So that kit always has quite quite a nice kind of place in my heart. We were also given quite a lot of Arsenal kit during that year that we we did the coaching, um, so that you could kind of go into schools, look in the part, and and you could nice. you know walk around with the Arsenal badge, um, which which was amazing. Wow, what is Accra like? Incredible. Um, it's it's so we were actually slightly outside of Accra where we were staying uh, in a place called Tema, um, and we'd have to get the bus in every day. Took about two hours, um, but it's it's such a fun city. Obviously, they're they're massive in their football. We went and watched um, Ghana play a couple of times. Um, I think it was the, um, the African Cup of Nations qualifiers. So we saw it was when um, Avram Grant was in charge of Ghana. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm right in saying that. I could have embarrassed myself there, but I'm pretty sure it was Avram Grant um, in charge of Ghana. And yeah, it, it was, it, it, when I think about all of the things I've done in my life, I'm still like, I can't believe I spent a year coaching football with Arsenal, who, you know, are my club. Um, and I, I don't really play football either. So it was always quite a challenge for me. You know, you're not, you're not really there to, to, 
coach them technically you're there to basically be a role model coach them get people moving but it was always quite funny that you know they'd be like oh miss miss can you can you can you demo a free kick and I'd be like no <laughs> why don't you sh- why don't you show me what you think it looked like and I'll um I'll, I'll give you a little critique on that nice nice so Laura, how, how are you feeling about Arsenal next season oh I mean jeez oh, um <laughs> I I always come into the new season with hope. Um, call me deluded. I just, you know, it's like starting a new school year. You've got your new textbook, you write your name on it, you know, off yeah. you go. Um, I, I think, I mean, this season hasn't been good. I'm not that confident that they're going to be able to do much over the summer. I just come into it with, with a hope that they have a good look at themselves over the summer and just really think about you know where this where this club has ended up I just we are clawing onto the we are a big club and I do fear that we're just going to kind of uh, sink into irrelevance and a, and a distant memory of being a, being a big club um, so I feel hopeful that mainly it can't get much worse famous <laughs> last words basically right. I'm like how how much worse can this get um, I think Arteta should be given a little bit longer um, just to you know, really, really see if he can get the right people um, over the summer yeah. and get them playing how he wants. But this season's been so frustrating. There's been glimpses of how they can play, um, but it's been wildly inconsistent. And one of the things that I always hope every single year, my biggest hope for Arsenal each season is that they can get rid of those naught out of 10 performances those ones where it's Zero. in the first but in the first minute and it's usually away at the big sides you're like this is going to be really ugly and I just I don't understand what it is in the mentality of these players they still have that in the locker it's the it's the eight twos it's the six ones it's the four nil down at Liverpool at half time it's it's those I'm like if you can just get rid of whatever is going on in your psyche that leads to those performances then I'll be happy because it means that at least when they go away to some of the bigger sides, I don't feel sick to my stomach when the, when the whistle goes and that you, don't, that you don't feel like for the next 90 minutes, they're not even going to be able to string a couple of passes together. That's my hope for next season. Yeah. Well, I think, do you know what? There are like a lot of, you know, the young players, I think a real positive thing at Arsenal, isn't it? Like Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, mm. and Willock on loan as well, doing all right at Newcastle, isn't he as well? Like you would hope that, these guys can come through and develop together and you, you have the makings of a good team there, hopefully. Yeah, and, and obviously that is hugely positive um, for the team. But I really, I feel bad for the young players that so much is riding on them. that They just shouldn't be under that much pressure at this stage in their career. And I just worry that we haven't had a proper leader for years and years and years. And some of our experienced players just seem to get away with putting in dreadful performances and not getting dropped and I would hope that when we sign players obviously we want you know youth and everything but I I still feel feel we need a bit of kind of steady um, experience not uh, people who have done it and have come to Arsenal to retire but people who are you know established can lead and can therefore take some of the strain off the young kids because there's been so many times this season where when you know back um when Emil Smith Rowe's not playing well or Saka's not playing well, you kind of look around and you're like, right, okay, who else is going to take this game and go, I'm going to win it for us? And I'm like, I don't see a single player on that pitch really who's got the consistency to do that. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, look, hopefully your kind of reaction photos on Twitter get much happier <laughs> next season. <boy. laughs> I know, there was, there was a point where someone asked me whether I was going to stop doing it because it was just getting so dark and so bleak. Um, and I was like, well, I've committed to this now, so there's not much I can do. But yeah, fingers crossed next season, it will just be loads of smiles. <laughs> exactly. So where can people follow you on Twitter and Insta, Laura? Um, so Twitter, I'm Laura Kirk 12 uh, and Instagram, I'm Laura Kirk 1992. Um, and that's where you can find me. Lovely stuff. Well, look, thanks so much for the stories. I really enjoyed speaking to you, Laura. It was really great. Thanks, Craig, for having me. It's been amazing. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Laura for sharing her football kit memories with me. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you check out all the seasons of the Revisiting Pod 2. It's a great listen. The music you heard was produced by Evil Ed. You can check out his music on his Bandcamp. There's links to everything I've mentioned in the notes section. And finally, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word. Give me a follow on social and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. And other than that, Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Catch you next time.